Isaac walked up the mountain, his father by his side, never realizing he would be the sacrifice. before now. Take your Bible to Revelation chapter 11. Revelation chapter 11. Read verses 15 through 18. Chapter 11 is about the two witnesses. The major theme of the chapter 11 is the two witnesses. Most of you know, if you know much about the Bible, you may not, but two witnesses is during the tribulation period at seven years called Daniel's 70th week. The book of Daniel is intricately attached to the book of Revelation. Uh, helps explain the book of Revelation. Also, Ezekiel has quite a bit to say that is also in the four creatures and things uh, that is in the book of uh, Revelation. A lot of the Old Testament's attached, Zechariah and other places attached to the book of Revelation. It's amazing. No man could write this book. There's just not, the, the, it's just not possible. God used man and he moved upon them in the Holy Ghost, but man did not think of this, brother. This was not conceived of man. This was not some wise man some years ago that figured out how he was going to delude a bunch of people. And as some of the communists used to say, how religion was an opiate of the people, basically just to drug them and keep them in, in order, that that's a function of religion. And, of course, we don't have a religion. Christianity is not religion. Religion means to bind. Christianity is to free. And as it's just a world, the difference between those two, you see religions, how it binds them. Look how Islam is binding those poor souls. My heart goes out to the Islamics, to the Arab peoples, because right now they're under such judgment. The Arab peoples are under such judgment right now, being held captive by this thing called Islam. It's a demon. It's a wicked thing. It's a, it's a hate-based, uh, violent-based uh, religion. I mean, not even all religions in the world are as radically violent as they are. In fact, they may be the most violent. A lot of other religions are more inclusivistic, which means that they, you know, one for all, all for one, or, you know, you have many roads to heaven. Those people aren't usually blowing each other up and killing people and doing suicide attacks. You know, this Sunday, the ISIS, they had captured information, was credible that ISIS, in fact, put out information over the Internet that anybody, any operatives anywhere in the United States were to, uh, target churches today and make uh, Christmas a bloody, they said make it a bloody day. And uh, anybody that has that kind of thing and yet says they're of God is pretty amazing to me. It's you'll just, you'll target innocents and babies and women and children and just indiscriminately change their lives and blow things up. And Because what we hear about a lot of times and those we hear about people killed, but you don't hear about the people that the rest of their life don't have a right eye. I'm pointing to my left eye. Though. I just thought I'd do that to you. Uh, or, or the people who lost their one arm, or the people who, who are crippled for life because they got shrapnel in them. Uh, you don't hear about them. They're like the ones that escaped. They didn't escape. They got life-changing injuries that are never going to be the same. And same thing with military. We only hear about the people that die. What about all those people that are wounded the rest of their life and got to go through life with all kinds of um, pain, sometimes pain every day for the rest of their life because of the wound they receive. I always, my heart goes out to all of that. There's going to be a day when all of this craziness is going to be over. 
I got to believe that this world's getting old like a garment. And he's ready to take it off. And ready to finish it. Finish it. In verse 15, the seventh angel sounded trumpets, and there were great voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign. How long? Forever and ever. Oh, those words, ever and ever. All through the centuries, all through the centuries, people have sought forever and ever. They have all of those pyramids with such great effort to make them such sacrifice, such a national sacrifice to build those pyramids, not only in Egypt, but in Peru and all these other places, or through from one side to the other of Mexico. And you just find them almost all. And it's, when you think of the sacrifice, the personal sacrifice of all that, what was the goal of all that? Forever and ever. Forever and ever. They knew death was coming. They knew they weren't ready for it. And they had no preparation to meet the God who created them. Somehow or another, trying to make amends and somehow trying to make. Now, what, in this case, you may feel sorry for those people. Uh, they knew better. They knew better. But they had rejected what they knew, and we'll talk about that in a moment. But there's going to come a day when the kingdoms of this world are going to become the kingdoms of the Lord Jesus Christ. No more blaspheming the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. No more using his name in vain. No more mocking the Bible. No more talking like, what are you people doing following a 35-year-old book uh, and, and making it affect your life today? No more of the pseudo-intellectualism that try to make you out make out to believe that people that are religious are simply uh, dumb or inferior in some way or have some sort of inherent weakness psychologically that they need to lean on something in their life. No more of that talk. No more of that talk. The truth will be revealed. And you want to be on the side of truth. When, this whole, when the dust settles on this whole thing, you want to be on the side of truth. This issue is bigger than you. It's that, it's that God is going to prove throughout the ages that he is true and all this other stuff's been false as he let it play out and really prove itself to be so. Verse 16, and the four and twenty elders were sat before God on their seats, fell upon their faces and worshiped God. Who are these 24 elders? Well, it's been surmised that 12 of them represent each of the tribes of Israel. Makes sense, 12 tribes of Israel. And 12 of them represent the apostles, which are going to make up the foundation of the Jerusalem. So it makes sense that these could be at least the 12 apostles as well. Who's the 12th apostle? Not going to get into that. It's probably going to be Paul, but whatever. Whoever it is, I'm going to accept it. Uh, the 12 apostles and the, and the 12 tribes of Israel, but the 24 elders represent the children of God in totality who sat before God. They fell on their faces, worshiped God. What did they say? They said, we give thee thanks, O God, all, O Lord God Almighty, which art, which was, and art to come. That's that, if you started it, you're in it, and you, and you will be in the future. Because thou hast taken of thee thy great power and its reign. What would make the people in heaven happy? Now you think you're already in heaven, right? You're already with God. You're, wait a minute, they're sitting on, on 24 thrones. I mean, you, you, you got to feel like that's really good, right? Sitting on 24 thrones, selected by 
Jesus himself. You're, you're, the 24 elders fall on their faces when they hear this announcement that the kingdom's finally going to be one. There's not going to be the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. This thing's going to collapse. The kingdom of darkness is going to collapse, and finally there'll just be those who believe. Those who went with the kingdom of darkness will be relegated to a place called the Lake of Fire to be held captive there and con contained there, and if I may say concealed there in a place called hell or the Lake of Fire where they will pay for their own sin, though they could have looked to the Christ and been saved and did not. And the Bible says that they are, all of them, are without excuse. Now, they're not all judged the same. Not everybody gets the same judgment. There's diversities of judgment, degrees of sin, degrees of unbelief, and that will all be settled out at the great white throne judgment, uh, as we see in, in Revelation chapter 20. So, we see here, that he says, you've taken finally your great power. Have you ever desired in your heart that God would just step in this thing? Have you ever just thought, God, please just step in this thing? This thing's crazy. When that transgender ruling came down to the Supreme Court, I said, I said, I, I mean, I said a lot of things. I'm in my truck, nobody's listening, except God and me. I'm saying, like, how can you be so dumb if you folks follow on with this? Uh, roosters, if, if, if all I have at my farm are roosters, eventually I'm going to have nothing. Right? You got to have the, 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 the tearing up of the very fabric of our society, which is the home, which is based on a husband and a wife, a man and a woman, has been accepted as marriage from time beginning. And these geniuses with their law, with their Judas pure I think what that degree is Judas, uh, not Judas Juris Prudence <laughs> I just kill myself but uh, I'm having fun up here whether you or not you probably, sorry you came but nevertheless Juris Prudence degree, they got their lawyer and they're, oh, we know about it. You guys are dumber than a box of rocks. The old powers of darkness trying to turn this upside down. And finally, these people say, oh, we're rejoicing. We're rejoicing. Praise you. Fall on their faces before, before the throne of God and say, praise you for finally taking your great power. It always was under your control. You gave, by your sovereignty, the freedom of these things to to." to roll out through the centuries, through the millenniums, but finally you've come to the end of it and you're taking a hold of your great power. What are you going to do? And the nations were angry. Look verse 18. And thy wrath is come. Thy what? What? Wait a minute. God of love, God of love, grace, mercy, kindness, sweetness. Uh, no, 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 that's over. No, 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 that, that, that's all over. The, little, the sweet little Jesus uh, that wouldn't break a little reed. He was so tender and mild and meek is now coming in wrath. I don't know if you've ever known any meek, quiet people. How many here have known meek, quiet people? Raise your hand. Come on. Don't get a man. Don't get a man. The guy that's mouthy, and loud mouthy, you know, he's, he's probably not very dangerous. But the dangerous one is the quiet one. 
that never gets mad and never blows their top, but when they blow their top, they go crazy. I mean, they go ballistic. They start wanting to kill people. Am, am, I, am I close? The quiet type. And, and uh, you know, God's been, God's been pretty quiet. He's been pretty quiet when it comes to, you know, I mean, he, he does come in and he does, you know, hinder them. And he does bring some, like, like this election, hindered them in their, in their walk. Hopefully it hindered them in their walk towards uh, Sodom. And, and, and hopefully it slowed them down. And hopefully it, 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 it makes it harder for evil to progress. And maybe, maybe even roll evil back a little bit in the next few years. Maybe even, but you know, you can legislate all you want, but the heart's the same. Those people that want to do that, L-G-C-Y-B-D, I don't even know, I don't know, what is it, L, whatever it is, but the lesbian and the gay and the homosexual and the transvestites and the transgenders, whew, that's a mouthful. You can make laws against that, but you ain't going to stop what they want to do. What God wants, of course, is their heart, but I'm, I'm willing to settle for the law. Let's start with the law, make it out, make it illegal to be that way. Years ago when I was raised up, homosexuality, was illegal, called sodomy. You would be put in jail if you were caught doing that. And that was in the late, that was in the 50s and the 60s. Wasn't that long ago. It didn't seem that long ago. So it says here, and the nations were angry. And basically God is angry. Thy wrath is angry. The Bible said that, that God's angry with the wicked every day. And if you don't know that God, if, that's, if I'm talking to you about a God that you're not familiar with, you need to start reading the Old Testament. Because you're reading only the New Testament, which is only a fifth of the Bible, by the way. And you need to read the other four-fifths of the Bible to find out who Jehovah God is before he came as a lamb. And that wrath has come in the time of the dead. The time of the dead. Uh, and that they should be judged. That they should, uh, you thought dead was dying and ceasing to exist. No, uh-uh. Never in the Bible. They should be judged and they should be given reward under the service of prophecy. There's positive and there's negative there. And to the saints and them that fear thy name, small and great. Well, what's he going to do to those other folks? And should us destroy them, which destroy the earth. Destroy them, which destroy the earth. What destroys the earth? Fluorocarbons. Um. I think of some of the technical names that say say is destroying our planet. The ozone's disappearing. Is it is it the fluorocarbons of air conditioning? Is it is it uh, is it the carbons from manufacturing destroying? Our, I don't think any of that's true. But I do know for certain tonight what's destroying the world. And I mean, when I say destroyed, I mean gonna if it was allowed to go on unhindered. Uh, the the uh, the the uh, end game of this world would be self destruction, because that's where sin always goes. It goes that way in your life. Starts out mild, starts out not bad, starts out fun, starts out exciting, starts out thrilling, but eventually it deteriorates down to miserable, and then miserable deteriorates to hateful, to where you hate it, and you hate the slavery of it. Well, I believe what we see in the Bible, as clear as anywhere I know to look, is found in Romans chapter 1. Take your Bible there if you would. 
Romans chapter 1. A little quick exposition here. Romans chapter 1. A, a passage, uh, you know, that years ago uh, I memorized, uh, worked real hard at it, had to, had to repeat it, write it down word perfect. Had to write it word perfect. Uh, and and every word that you missed was like a every word or so was a letter grade if I remember right the way the guy did it and man I mean to tell you that was some of the best assignments I ever had in school some of the hardest but some of the sweetest stuff was when they made me do something I wouldn't have done my, for myself I don't know why but it's just the way it is look at verse 18 for the wrath of God is revealed from the, from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness hold the truth in unrighteousness. Foundation of all sin is unbelief. Is unbelief. The sin of Eve in the garden was unbelief. Uh, she did not believe God and what he said, and that has been the foundation of all as, as uh, unbelief is the foundation of all sin. I like this statement. I want to read it. And as faith is the foundation of all righteousness. I like that. As unbelief is the foundation of all sins, so faith is the foundation of all righteousness. Uh, it's a foundational cause of earth's destruction. It was the very, it was the very beginning principle that hatched the families of sin, some over 49 different sins mentioned in the Bible came out of this one sin of unbelief because they did not believe God. It, it, it created the law, second law of thermodynamics, which means everything's running down. It was the reason death and decay started. Unbelief started the curse, which, which uh, started a whole and a long line of suffering and agony described in this chapter of Romans chapter 1, verse 18. It says in verse 22 of chapter 8, for we... Know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together unto now. If you walk out of here tonight and doubt and reject Jesus and the Bible, you will directly, in some manner, contribute to the destruction of the earth. And you can accept the promise that you read where I was able to read to you that someday God will destroy them that destroy the earth. He's going to take the principle of sin and those who followed it and wipe the plate clean and destroy this old head. You know, when I look at this earth, there's a lot of things about earth I like. I like the ocean. I like the coral reef. I like the blue sky. I like the clouds. I like a lot of things, the birds, the flowers, and everything. But I realize that it's even in this beauty, even in the state you see it now, it is contaminated with a disease that is continually destroying it and running it down. It has to, has to rejuvenate, has to rejuvenate, has to rejuvenate. If we don't keep rejuvenating it, it dies and dies out. You even are the same way. I heard tell that your skin replaces itself about every seven years. I'm looking for a nod on the doctor there. Uh, you know, he's my yes or no if I'm on it. He goes like, uh, I mean, your skin is constantly falling off. And all the ladies said, oh, my skin is so dry. Now, you people live up north, you know dry. We don't know dry down here. You people up north know dry. When you throw that old gas heat on 
and it takes all of the humidity out of your house, and it's running around like 5% humidity. And I mean, you wake up in the morning, bloody nose, sore throat, mouth stuck together where you got to spray it to open it back up. I mean, not quite that bad, but it's something I remember. I guess they got humidifiers now. That's a real newfangled invention. But unbelief. There are three children, if I may say, that unbelief has birthed. Major children that unbelief birthed that contribute to the destruction of the earth. Uh, I believe the first one is mentioned in verse 18 there of chapter 1 of Romans. It is who hold the truth in unrighteousness. I define that as liberalism. They hold the truth. They have access to the truth. They understand something about the truth. But they do it in unrighteousness. I watched a program. I'm, you may have seen it on, on PBS uh, recently. They had a, a show because it's Christmas, right? They want to put a little show out about PBS and how the Bible came to being and the Dead Sea Scrolls. I mean, I just wanted to get sick. I, was one, I really wanted to kick the TV in. I mean, I just, I just couldn't believe that in this whole show, they got the most liberal of the liberal of the liberal professors. Oh, you could tell it because they, at the bottom of the screen, they put Harvard professor. And I thought, Harvard? I wouldn't walk across the street to listen to a Harvard graduate. I wouldn't walk across the street to listen to a Yale graduate. I wouldn't walk across the street to listen to a Wheaton graduate. I wouldn't walk across the street anymore to listen to a Moody graduate. Those places have gone to the one of the children that are spawned by unbelief that is destroying this earth and it's liberalism. The philosophy of unbelief manifested in a thing called liberalism. They hold the truth, but they hold it in unrighteousness. Like the Pharisees, they don't enter in and they try to prevent people who do enter in. I thought about that show trying to convince people, basically, we don't know what part of this Bible is true, but we think some of this thing is true, and maybe you should believe some of it, or at least the general precepts of Jesus was to do good to people, and that can't be bad. Did I just give you the summation of, of what they think of the Bible? I mean, there's, there's no absolute... They can't look at any of this and say, this is absolutely... They don't even talk about really it being from God. I mean, they use the word God, sometimes generally speaking, as some unknowable force in the universe, like, like they've watched a little maybe too much Star Wars. Why, why liberalism is like drinking a, a glass of Pepsi that all the ice is melted in it. You ever gotten a glass of Pepsi, filled it with ice? put the Pepsi in there, and got busy doing something else, went over there and grabbed that thing and went, ooh, that's flat, that's weak. It is not worth drinking anymore. That's exactly what the liberals have done to truth. They have so so uh, uh, disseminated their, their confusion and their, their unbelief in it and their doubt. They sow the seeds of doubt in the Bible to try to get you to stay away from it. Why? Because this Bible is powerful. It's their enemy. They deny creation. Look in verse 19. Because that which they know of God is manifest in them, for God has showed unto them 
There's not any of them that don't know really what the truth is, but they turn from it. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world. The Bible never even tries to explain creation. The Bible doesn't go into high technical uh, verbiage on this is the way it happened. It doesn't have to. If you don't believe God when he says it, he's not going to try to convince you other, other than what he's put the, the thousands of witnesses he's already put out there to convince us. If you don't believe them, you're not going to believe. I like the old rich man when he went to hell. He says, I got five brothers there, and they had, I don't want them to come to this place. He had compassion. Oh, he said, if they won't believe Moses and the prophets, they won't believe us even one came back from the dead. Ha! Shows you how powerful, how important belief in this word is to God. Better than somebody coming back from the dead. They deny the supernatural. No miracles, not really. Jonah, well, you know, that was a great story. Noah, come on, one guy building a boat, big boat, and there was no rain. I mean, come on, where do you get all? And they just hoo, poo, hoo, and oh, 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 these things. Now, they, now to get your to get your attendance at their church, they'll try to stay quiet on all of that. How do you know when a liberal is lying? When his lips are moving. But another way you know a liberal's line is they don't say anything. It's what they don't say is what you got to worry about. It's what they don't say. I've been around them knowing what they believed and had a hard time getting them to confess that what they believed was really what they believed. Because they knew when they told me, I wouldn't want anything to do with them. They deny singularism, if I may coin that term. Singularism. That's Christ only, grace only, through faith only, part of the gospel. They inculcate works into the gospel. See, they disseminate confusion into the truth. They discourage appropriating of the truth. In verse 21, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, they came vain in their imaginations. Their foolish heart was darkened. The more sin one does, the less likely they are to believe. In other words, what happens is their unbelief and liberalism eventually brought God to the place of saying, I'm going to darken your heart so that you believe the stupid stuff you're talking about. And don't you, isn't it amazing to you folks who listen to these evolutionists who in other areas of their sciences are good, but when they come down to evolution, they got like insanity. It's like they break all their rules of science and they just say, well, it's just got, I heard, CBN, CNN, or one of the, they were on their debate. They said, can you imagine? He said he didn't believe in evolution. Can you imagine how absurd that is? Why, they made out like the whole world believes in evolution. If you don't believe in evolution, you are some freak. Liberalism is one of the things that's destroying the world. It discourages, oh my goodness, it discourages appropriation of the truth. When you, when you, when you enter into liberalism, you become a professor at the University of Fools because they profess themselves to be wise. They become professors at the University of Fools. Verse 22, professing themselves to, become, to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of incorruptible God in the image, make unto like unto corruptible man to the birds and the four-footed beasts and creepy things. God judges the sinner with more sin. A person came to me a while back and said they had sinned and they wanted to quit and couldn't. They wanted to quit and couldn't. They wanted to quit. You've heard a lot of that. That's because the judgment of doing it is the addiction. 
the judgment of doing it is the addiction. God says, you want it? I'm going to give it to you till you puke it. My dad had a, had a remedy, and I don't know where he, where he picked this up, but as a young kid, I'd bug him a little. Can you imagine? I was a little hyper. And I'd bug him and bug him. I want a milkshake, Dad. I want a milkshake, Dad. Please let me have a milkshake. Let me have a milkshake. I want to have a milkshake. Now, we ate out pretty much all the meals and three meals a day, and we like to go, and they got those. I'd hear them machines doing them stainless steel things and getting them and pouring. I'd see them pouring at the table beside us, them big milkshakes and vanilla and chocolate. And I, and I just, as a kid, you know, I'm talking about eight, nine, ten-year-old kid. Oh, Daddy, Daddy, please, please let me have a milkshake. He says, son, they're 50 cents. That's a lot of money. You can't have one of those. I, for 50 cents, I could eat a hamburger and fries. I mean, McDonald's was 15 cents. You remember that? Everybody remembers that. These young people look at me like, ooh, you're, you're a lot older than 65. But 15 cents at McDonald's. I mean, think about it. How many, I mean, you, you know much, a little Matthew, you know you get a few burgers. I'm not saying they were big, but you get a few burgers there. But they'd be like, I said, Daddy, please, I got to have that. I got to have that. Finally, he'd just, you know, he'd get it right here. He'd say, son. He'd tell the waitress, he said, now, I want you to keep bringing the milkshakes till I tell you to stop. She'd go, okay. So he'd give me a big milkshake, and he said, son, you're going to have as much milkshake as you want. I'd go, oh, oh, thank you, Dad. You're just the greatest. And, boy, that first few sips of that milkshake was like heaven. It was everything I thought about. Remember back then it was pure whole milk with all the cream. It was all, everything was Haagen-Dazs. And, and, I mean, it was just you had that first milkshake. And it had, oh, they made it just right. And I drank the whole thing, boom, down. He said, he said, well, get him another one. Oh, Dad, I, I, I don't know. He said, no, no, son, you're going to drink another one. And so the second one, it went down a little slower. He said, the same said, no, son, get, get him another one. I said, no, I don't want another one, Dad. Please, I don't want another one. Don't give me another milkshake. He said, son, you're going to drink it. And you're going to go outside and throw it up or whatever you do, but you drink it. And, you know, I never bugged him again. It was the be most beautiful cure. I'm, I'm not bitter at him because I still drink milkshakes. And every time I drink milkshakes, I think of that. I think I want another one, but I don't. I don't. One's enough. One's enough. That's what God does on sin. People got to have it. Oh, I got to have it. Some young guy sees a girl that's not, that he shouldn't, uh, unequally yoked girl, some, some sensual girl, some, uh, 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 unsaved girl, and he's a saved boy, and he knows better, but he says, oh, if I ever, why, well, she's an angel. If I ever rolled over and looked at her, I'd think I'd be in heaven until she breathed on you. God says, you really want her? Don't want her. Don't, don't want her. Don't want her to be unequally yoked together, unbelievers. You ignore the warning. You don't want it. You don't believe it. So God, he lets you have that girl. Her name is Jezebel. And she stirs you up to more evil than you'd ever done without her. And she makes you eventually hate life. God judges us with giving us what we want to the place you don't want it. Man, I hope you get that. If you leave here tonight, you're not you're going to be careful about getting into sin. Because that's a dangerous place to be is in willful sin. You enter into willful sin, and then it's God's priority. You say, well, let me, 
you like cocaine. The first time they do it, sometimes. Oh, the second time. Oh, the third time. Oh, I've never taken an opiate. I'm not against uh, prescribed medicine, but I'm going to tell you, I'm so scared of opiates. I've heard so many stories of opiates. And right now, opiates is the leading addiction, even over alcoholism, they say. Opiate is coming up to alcohol in the United States of America because of the abuse of that thing. And, and because, now tell me, why do they want to do that? Man wrote, Phil, Philip Myers wrote a book called the Rome, Rome, It's Rise and Fall. He made the observation, and I quote, almost from the beginning, the Roman stage was gross, and immorality was one of the main agencies to which must be attributed the undermining of the originally sound moral life of the Roman society. So absorbed these people become in indecent representations of, on the stage that they lost all thought and care for the affairs of, their re, of the real life. They got living in a in Middle Earth. They're living in Middle Earth. They're not living in the real world. They're in escapism. Amen. That's what happened to Rome. The second, the second stain, the second sister birthed by unbelief. The first one, I believe, is liberalism. The second is immorality. Immorality. Sexual sins of all kinds, called uncleanness, which is defined as impurity, called vile affections which is dishonor and disgrace. And, and God allows them homosexuality and lesbianism and immorality of those kinds, leading into bestiality and other things, uh, ashames the people who do that. You're made in the image of God. But you bring yourself down, as Peter said, to a brute beast, just doing what your instinct tells you to do. But God said, you're made in my image. You have a volition. You can say yes and no, and right, you see the difference. You're not an animal. Don't act like an animal. That has infected the world. The playboy mentality will destroy every good thing God ever intended for this earth. I will destroy them who destroy the earth. The third sister birth by belief is secularism. Secularism, found in verse 28 of Romans 1. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do the things which are not convenient. The truth is, without God and his moral standards and their standards of interpersonal treatment, uh, this whole thing will generate down into a gross, violent cesspool. That's what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah. Most of you have read the account of Sodom and Gomorrah, Genesis 18. I mean, them two angels, two young guys come into town. How bad is it? How bad is the place when two young guys walk into town and and a whole group of men show up at, at the door of the guy they stay at? So any 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 this is something I am I'm never gonna get this, and none of you dads are ever gonna get this. But Lot offers his two virgin daughters to these heathens to these beasts, they are so perverted that they don't want women. They don't even want virgin women. They don't care. You're not going to entice them. They want these men. And, and, and what, then, then the, the, the angel strikes them blind, right? And the Bible says they groped to find the door. 
mean, if you did find the door as a blind person, what, what kind of good is that going to do you, amen? You're not going to do very well if you're blind, but they don't care. They're so fired up. They're so heated up. They're so full of, of, of the demonic passion of perversion that they will crawl on their bellies to do it if they got to do it. Wow. Secularism breeds all-out reprobate. It says they get, God gives them over, verse 28, to a reprobate mind. Now, the Bible talks about people that are reprobate. Reprobate people are not savable. Are you with me? They were savable, but they sinned to a place where God turned them over to a reprobate mind. Basically, he says, you're not going to be saved. Now, now I know, now you don't get theological on me. God knows in the beginning and the end, and he knew who was going to be saved before the foundation of the world. I know all that, but we're going to talk as if it's in our lingo here. There comes a time when he, of course, he knew that from the beginning, right? So he already had that list made up before everything was made. But it didn't make it where they had to be that way. He just knew the way they were going to be. And based on what they were going to be, he made the list. The Calvinists take a different position on that. I think they're wrong. But, but ultimately, they're given over to this reprobate mind. I have met some folks I seriously believe are reprobate. They have no desire to retain God in their thoughts anymore. There is no God. They have, ma they have made a philosophy in the world of no God and of no spiritual uh, being or accountability in their lives. Secularism referred to often as agnosticism. No certain belief. Nobody's right. Called postmodernism, called multiculturalism, uh, called uh, progressivism. Uh, it's, it comes uh, by a lot of different names, but it's the same stuff. Secular, taking God out of the picture. And that's what you get when you take God out of the picture. Wow. These three sisters, bred by unbelief, have come upon this earth in, in their full fury. And God says finally in chapter 11, I've had enough. And I am coming down in some wrath. We're going to destroy them and destroy the earth. Where will you be? Where will you be with God? when his wrath is kindled but a little. Where will you be? I hope you say, oh, Brother Bill, I've come to Jesus. I've confessed my sin, trusted him as my personal Savior. That's the way to be. But now that you have done that and you have the Holy Spirit, you deliver it, right? Like we talked about this morning, connect the dots, right? If we say we have fellowship with him, well, it makes sense that you would also walk with him, Right? And it's you would those two things would connect to each other, and the logic of it would be. And by the way, probably everybody in this room. I mean, I don't know everybody, but probably everybody in this room, most majority, are doing that and connecting the dots and reading this book and putting this to your mind and washing this thing over you so that you know how to serve God and know how to make you say, please to be pleasing to Him. And there's a group of people out there who say you can't please God. Yes, we can. God has so declared that we can please Him. Our delight is when we, we, it's His delight when we pray. We call upon Him. Imagine your prayer delighting God. How can you, like one of the fire ants in the, in the whole state of Florida, I mean, how small are we? Have you ever thought about how small you are? 
fire ant mound will kind of humble you. You know? Put your foot in the middle of one of them, and they come out of there just by the, what, 20, 30,000, 40,000 of them little devils come out of there? That's just one mound in the whole county, in the whole state, in the whole south. Imagine how many fire ants there are out there. I'm thanking God right now that he did not make a fire ant six foot. Because they'd bust in here tonight and carry you people away. I mean, that fire ant it would be it's ruthless. And I still do not understand, and please let me vent, vent this off my chest, why you girls run around Florida that's full of fire ants in flip-flops. My wife will get bit, and she'll say, oh, they bit me. And I'll say, if you put socks on, they wouldn't do that. And she says, well, I'm not going to put socks on. I said, you're going to get bit. I knew you wanted to know that. They walk out in the grass at night with no, with no socks. I'm like, ooh, not Florida. Folks, folks, come to me. I'll help you out. Fire ants. But, you know, I'm, small, I'm smaller than a fire ant. And God has chosen to abide with me. God says that I can pray and delight him. God cares about the thoughts of my heart and intentions. That tells you the position you have. The position that Adam had was that he was the head of all the creation. Made Adam the head of it. Wow. Man, God loves us. God cares about you. I hope that you seek to please him and stay away from these wicked, wicked things that have come upon our world to destroy it. Remember, when you lead somebody to Christ and tell them about Jesus, you're doing the very best you can do to save the planet. You know how they got, remember the, how they had the little sticker, save the planet, save the earth. Man, I'm the biggest tree hugger in this room. I want to save the earth through people getting saved. But when people get saved, it delays what we just read here in the 11th chapter of Revelation because it's not going to come any sooner than God says it's got to come because it's not God's will that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. So God's not eager to end this thing out. He's not eager to judge the wicked. He gives them mercy and he gives them time and he stretches out for them. And the Bible says he winks at their unbelief and their and their wicked works. Why? Because he wants them to have the opportunity of life and of freedom to make choices of right and wrong. The whole thing's going to boil down. What they did with Jesus. Father, thank you tonight for the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you that he allowed us to see who he is and who he was and who he will be. Thank you, the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for making it plain, allowing our minds to comprehend it and understand it. There could be somebody in this room that's been groping with this whole question of belief. And they struggle with it. Oh, Father, like that man who had a demonic son and the apostles couldn't cast him out and came to Jesus. And he said, Lord, I believe. Help thou, my unbelief. Help me. Help me. Maybe you're here tonight. You don't have much faith. The Bible says you have a faith of a grain of a mustard seed. That's like a that's like a grain of salt. I don't think it takes a lot of faith to be saved. Believe that you're a sinner. The Bible says so. You're a sinner. Unable to save yourself by any amount of good works. Believe that Jesus came. He died. He was buried and rose again the third day as God's only begotten Son of God. With all your heart, ask Him to save you. God will do it. Oh, may God, you come tonight 
may you move. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to know more about Jesus and the subject preached on, please contact us at gospel at mygbcs.com or call us at 239-947-1285. God bless.